that was definitely more like it. Uh, should play Brooklyn every night. Uh, <laughs> I can tell I, by I, your enthusiasm. You're really, you're really impressed by today. Huh? What I mean, look, this, this is what you're supposed to do. You got to drill these teams, right? We were, you right. know, Celtics laid an egg against Miami last night, Brooklyn, you know, beat big, bad Milwaukee. And, you know, we were wondering how this one was going to go tonight. And it was obvious early that, uh, Celtics were in control. It wasn't just an opponent thing. They played a good game all the way around, guys. Yeah, they they beat Milwaukee yesterday, right? Like with a similar group of guys. So you come out feeling pretty good. I don't know if the associative property holds there or whatever, but um, th- this was a team that came in not looking so sloppy. I mean, they didn't play a great game tonight, but this definitely was the Celtics getting it together more than it was the Nets being the worst playoff team ever, like we talked about the other day. Um I love the rotation going to Romeo Langford first. I think that set a tone early because the Celtics didn't come out storming. It was a close game. The Nets got a few threes on them. Uh, the defense and rotations were all looking sloppy. And then it felt like the bench gave them some energy in this one. So that was encouraging. And they sort of flipped the bench upside down, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, just wait, let's get your thoughts first, and then we'll kind of break it down. Obviously, we had Romeo. We had a lot of Rob, uh, which was great, and he's certainly a headliner tonight. But – just your overall thoughts on the game. No, I was actually going to uh, sort of lead with that, actually, with the Celtics' defense in terms of their uh, rotations and, and spacing. I thought it was a, a huge 180 compared to what we've seen, especially what we saw last game. And uh, Rob has a lot to do with that. You know, if you notice early on, I don't know, Bobby, if you caught on, uh, he seemed like he was a little like a, a step too late here, you know, or a step too late there. Uh, he picked up one one foul real quick, but then you just sort of saw the progression throughout the game. You saw the same thing happen with the team as a whole, but specifically with Robert Williams. like That's the kind of like def- defensive intensity that I want to see, and the same thing goes with, with Daniel Tice, and you saw him come out of halftime with that same intensity, and it was almost contagious. As soon as Tice was out of there, Rob Williams checked back in, and all of a sudden, you know, he's he's got 18 points in you know, less than 18 minutes, and uh, he just kept going from there. It happened fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> he was just exploding to the rim, flying through the air faster than you could even comprehend it. Like when I looked up and saw he was six for six at that point, I was like, wow, I didn't even see like half of these. Um, they made it happen quick. And like it, it's it's encouraging. I wonder how much it's going to matter because we talked about Langford in particular during the preseason. I know we talked about Rob Williams too. We were laughing at that by the first game, but uh, you know, are these guys really going to end up playing in consequential games or is this just a case of resting everybody against the nets? Um, I'm interested to see that going forward. But again, you you get some good energy contributions from these guys. I think what it did was wake everybody up. Because once you got that Rob and Langford burst in the second quarter, you saw the starters come back in the third quarter. Hayward especially just busting ass defensively going after it. Like they said, it's one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, It's a little of both, though. You you mentioned, okay, was this a one-off? Or would they? uh, could you see them playing more? minutes it's both you have to see games like this for them to earn minutes down the yeah. stretch i mean we're we were we were dying for it in the preseason uh for uh for romeo to be the guy like you want to see him be that first guy off the bench and again it happened because of another you know boneheaded you know tatum staying in you know coming back in with two fouls in the first quarter and he picks up his third foul and so be it that's what happened so romeo was forced in a little bit earlier, but he came in on that right. He came in at the time Tatum would have sat 
anyway in that first quarter. First guy off the bench. They wanted to give him some minutes tonight, and he earned it. And you're right. it was A lot of it was on the defensive side. There were a couple terrific stops where he just he moves his feet so well. He just keeps guys in front of him. It's really impressive. And I know they were talking about it a ton on the broadcast. If you just watched him play defense, you wouldn't think he was a rookie. And usually that's one of the things that comes later. Um, so it is it is amazing that he played as many minutes as he did and as well as he did. It's still, though, you know, if you're going to nitpick, still four points. You know, you want to see a little bit more. You, you want to see it. Oh, because, come on, man. Leave the sophomore alone, man. He's going to have to be out there. 26 minutes and he's playing with confidence in a game where, honestly, you could throw away a few possessions. It would have been fine. Um, and, he, you know, you want to see him look for the uh look for the offense a little bit but if if that's all he did and came in and played eight to ten solid minutes of defense um spelling one of those guys you'd still feel pretty good about it right exactly and especially if we're talking about you know a, a seven game series against whoever at this point when we're, when we're talking about the Celtics' defense because that's been the biggest concern for me since the bubble you know since the seeding game started at least or you know overall i guess and he provides that little bit of hope, especially off the bench. You know, those those uh, couple steals here and there, uh, that one play that he got away with, it should have been because it, it was a steal off of him, but he actually got the ball as well. Uh, you know, those are the kind of plays that not only, you know, bring a, a momentum shift for your second unit, but it also gives you those rah-rah moments. And, and, and let's face it, you know, we, when we're looking at, again, to talk about the end of this rotation and, and what's going to happen in the, in the postseason, I mean, all Milwaukee Bucks aside, and what I mean by that, I do think Shemi Ojale is really important for that in particular and for that series. But all the other games aside, I mean, if Romeo continues this or, you know, Rob, Rob Williams, whatever, again, the same narrative we've been saying the last couple of days. But, I mean, let's face it, it's, we can't say Shemi is cemented into this rotation. And I think if you look at what happened against the Nets, granted it was against the Nets, you see the sort of advantages you have when you put in someone like Romeo, you know, versus someone like uh, like Ojale. Again, and that's we, we, we've been talking about it. That's why you want you want to see Romeo over Ojale. And if he can right. play the same sort of defense, and, again, it's matchup dependent, but if he's giving you that defensive effort, then the next thing is you're, you want to see offense. And again, it's there if he wants to try to take it a little bit. I think part of it is a choice. If you run into it, if Brad has another game where he thinks he can give Romeo these types of minutes, I'd like to, to have him say to him beforehand, Go 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 go! Let it fly a little bit, you know. Yeah, right. and it, then you run into that with Semi too. He's got to give I, that to him because we, right. it's, he has that democratic. Once you're on the floor, approach. Everyone's going to get it, and Romeo's just not going to automatically, instinctively, just look for it when he, especially when he's on. You had a couple times when he was on with Tatum and Brown at the same time, albeit small stretches. He's not going to look for his offense there. He has to be right. told, or they have to be told, "Hey, let's look for Romeo a bit here." And and Ojale's the example of that. If you go back and watch Ojale's college tape, like he's a guy who would get into the lane, take shots at will. Like he was obviously yep. the number one guy on his team. Yeah, right. But you know, it, when they get here and they're the fifth option, they're playing with Hayward and Smart as they were tonight. There is some hesitation for them to look for their shot. I mean, even on one of the buckets he got in there, like he was right under the rim, and it looked like he hesitated a little bit and it cost him. So I like that point, John, because if he does go out there, he needs to differentiate himself from Ojale a little bit because ultimately, as you said, you go against a Toronto, you go against a Milwaukee, you're going to need someone with more girth than he has, even if he's playing a little bit of a better defensive stance than Ojale is. You know, you're going to need someone who's been in that matchup, 
who knows the personnel on the other side. And that's why Semi still has an advantage to some degree there. Romeo could set himself apart with 10 points. And we saw that against the Lakers, and it, it hasn't been out here, even in the scrimmages. He could, and you're right. And look, this is what we do. We overreact to the positive and the negative. It just It's in our DNA, and that's what we're going to do here. So you see a night like this with Romeo, and you want more right away. And maybe it doesn't come here. Uh, in the post, maybe it doesn't come here at the end of this season and into the postseason in a meaningful way, but at least it's a glimpse where you feel better about him and the pick in general. Uh, because you're like, oh, no, you do. I mean, look, you know, uh, we do this, you get, you know, we're you want to see results, you want to see stuff. And yeah, my thing true. is, why can't he play every night? Like, it, the DNP still get me. Like, first that's what I, mean, three. I would think on D alone, he should earn those minutes. And you're yeah. right. There are probably semi-minutes. But, Joe Sway, what were you going to say there? No, I was just going to say, I mean, this the, the, the uniqueness of this entire situation is what really throws a curveball into this. I mean, it feels like he's a, he's a, in his second year, right? It has that feel to it because of the pause. And it almost feels like, okay, well, he should be ready, to, you know, right about now. But his progression hasn't changed, you know? You can't just give Romeo – those minutes right away. He's got to earn it a bit. And he did try to, you know, we saw flashes of that in the scrimmage games. But outside of that, I mean, I wasn't too, too impressed. I expected this from him. I expected this from Rob Williams, you know, against the Nets for obvious reasons. But at the same time, I also expected this to, you know, catapult that momentum moving forward for both of those guys. And let's see what happens, you know, after that. And let's see what happens after this game, especially with, you know, these guys playing pretty much every other night. You know, that momentum is there, and these guys are feeling sky high right now. Rob Williams playing the best game of his career, and uh, Romeo Langford, you know, getting plenty of uh, props from, from Brad Stevens. Let's hit on Rob a little bit. Obviously, you saw what you saw. You got the 18 points, career high, um, seven to seven field goals. Um, so he's there, and he did what you would expect him to do. I mean, he got a couple, got to the line a couple times, he made his dunks. That's it. You know, he, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a refined post game. So, you know, that's the type of buckets he's going to get. He's still, again, on defense. I mean, he just jumps at everything. You know, he's he's still a little too quick to get off his feet. <laughs> he went into the crowd on a three-point. I mean, yeah, I you know, like he bites, he bites on everything on defense. And he reaches on the drives, too. Yeah. Like, there is no discipline there whatsoever. He's For a still, second, I thought it was, was that, it wasn't Joe Harris, right? I'm like, that's not Joe Harris, man. You don't have to jump on that. <laughs> yeah. You're good. He's still a little sloppy. Take some bad angles. You know, it's still loose. But again, what do you expect? What do you want? This is a guy who's you know, even in year two. I mean, he's a pro. You know, he's a he's a project. Um, so again, it always comes down to: Do you want Rob Williams minutes or do you want Ennis Cantor minutes? It's less about mm-hmm. is this perfect and is he there and is he doing everything you want. It's do you want it over the other thing that you have? It's a binary choice. Coming off that bench there, where do you want those big minutes to go? Where do you want the wing minutes to go? And Rob Williams, again, makes a case for, hey, maybe you can get some Rob Williams minutes coming in there uh, from time to time. And tonight was obviously a, a good example of, you know, hey, this could work. This is what I'll say about Rob. Uh, and Alex Kungu mentioned this on Twitter during the game, and it brought it up to me, but he, he needs to play with the starters, the guys who are in the flow of the game, a Marcus Smart who can set him up as he did on the alley-oop, as he did with several great pl- passes to him. I think Hayward got into the pick-and-roll with him too. Like, this guy can't just be a depth bench 
big man who's playing along with Brad Wanamaker and Romeo and those type of guys. Yeah. If you're you put them in the Brad, context of the you're starters, get, you're not going to get a lot of action. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think you go to him in that situation we talked about where Tice gets a couple fouls early. He's the guy who has to get taken out like Tatum did tonight. I think it would work well. Like I don't think he's going to join the rotation for the playoffs, but I look at him as that bailout option who could work well with those starting rotation guys. Yeah, Bobby, I'm sorry, but I completely disagree. I think Robert can really help you out in that second unit because it just looks so thin right now. I do like him in stretches with, you know, a lot of the starters, whether we're talking, you know, the the three uh, of Jalen Tatum or some sort of a combination of that mix, you know, with him up front. I do like that in certain stretches, but I think if you can anchor him as a as someone you can rely on right off of the bench, especially if one of these guys get into foul trouble, which seems to keep happening over and over again, um, he gives you those those steady minutes, whether it's you know running the floor a little bit and getting in the open court to push the offensive tempo a bit. That makes a difference. Defensively, I'm not necessarily looking at him to just you know stack up five or six blocks a night. I'm looking at it the way he's covering uh, defensively, his coverages, he's, he's always been a little late and that's always been a biggest knock on him, uh, a step or two late in coverages, which usually leads to fouls or easy buckets. If he can hammer that out or at least continue to show progression in that, in that part of his game, which we did see against the Nets, but you know, again, it's against the Nets. Um, I think he really does help out that second unit alongside, of course, uh, Marcus Smart. And, and I love Gordon Hayward with those guys. Yeah, you want to see you want to see him there with with Marcus in particular. Yeah, he's the Marcus is the best pick and roll guy we have on the offense right. there, and you want to see that combination for sure. Um, and you're right, you want to see him playing, you know, with 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 with, with the starters whenever he can. Uh, Move it along quickly. Uh, you know, we had uh, Jalen Brown again, another crazy efficient night. It, it, this was like an, I mean, again. He wasn't really needed much in the second half, but this was just an effortless 21 points. I mean, five of nine from three, I don't really remember him missing much. I mean, he just, it just, I mean, this was easy. This was a classic, like, you know, this is where, this is where he's progressed to. He doesn't break a sweat to get 21 points. And then he just kind of calls it a night. I mean, he, he got whatever he wanted. If he wanted to go to the hoop, he could, if, if not, he was just draining those three so confidently. It's again, it's it's amazing to see him at this level consistently. And we talk about the importance of him and Tatum kind of both being that guy all the time instead of alternating. And it's uh, right now Jalen's just been 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 the man. You he got a chance to play make too, and you're big on this, John. Is in between in the yep. lane? Can he make plays in there? Right, not just get the head down and go. Right. <laughs> that pass to Tice really had me going. I think second or third quarter. Uh, so he was able to get some plays in that department. I love the same from Tatum too. Like both they were he, both, both able to get Tatum on the ball hit. and play make. Yeah, that, that's what impressed me most about this game. Yeah, both he and Tatum hit Tice again when uh, the defense drew to them and they set him up, you know, down low for an easy slam. So Another yeah, great both- game from Tice. He's just on a roll. <laughs> So important, Bobby. I'm telling you, he is so important. And I was again oh, another MVP. For sure. Um, so Jalen was good though. Again, we're not gonna I don't want to knock on it again, but we did have a you know we Yeah, I mean John, he's not putting up TJ Warren numbers now. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> TJ Warren. The uh, uh Jason Tatum uh he had a crazy efficient game when he was playing. Um, he almost looked annoyed with himself, you know, for how things had gone. He had those couple sequences where he had Allen on him on a switch and he lost the handle a couple of times and drained the three anyway. You know, it, it looked like he, actually, he, yeah. he was in the flow of the game. His handle was a little loose. Again, it looks like a guy who 
didn't pick up a basketball for a couple of months. You know, he, he lost that handle a couple of times. But the fouls thing, it's not just that. The, the, the complaining, um, he can't make a move or score a bucket or do anything offensively without glancing over at the refs when the play is done. It, I mean, he, he did it every single time yeah. tonight. And again, do that often. It's three quick fouls. You have to start wondering. Jason Tatum should be going the other way. He should be getting superstar calls, and he's getting ticky-tack fouls called on him right now. And you wonder how much of that has to do with him constantly just chirping nonstop. I mean, it's- yeah. I mean, it doesn't help for sure. I, I definitely think there's there's some to you know to say to be said about that. But also, uh, you know, when you talk about his handle and, and the way he's been a bit off, I've noticed that too. Also, John, I think a lot of it has to do with him just being eager to get to that release. It's like ever since that you know dreadful uh, shooting night, he's just been sort of wanting to just shoot it off, you know, just get it off his chest. And obviously, he he did. You know, he already did it, but he's just continuing to to get back to that call. Of, you know, All Star Tate and what he was doing those uh, month and a half. You know weeks before the all-star game and weeks after, you know, and, and we saw flashes of that, that three point pull up. I mean, no one can defend that. And that, and, and tonight against the Brooklyn Nets, that was the first time where I, it just seemed like there was no way he was missing when he made all five of those three pointers. Yeah. yeah. I come away from this game looking at that, especially like he, he's relying on that shot to a large degree Absolutely. to get his scoring. Um, he had that great night. We talked about against Miami again in the free throw line in the foul field game, but overall everything feeds into one another. The dribble gets him to the lane less. And then he's has a tougher time finishing at the lane. And then that's where he starts looking for the foul calls. And it's all just part of this like mental cycle he's going through to try to get back Definitely. to where yeah. he was. Like in a lot of ways, in most of these games, he's looked like not necessarily November Tatum. Like he's not back at square one when you look at a game like this. But December, January, like there's definitely shades of that as we look at him right now. Yeah. I mean, again, it, this is this is a nitpicky sort of thing. When he was in there, he was great. You had issues with the handle. Again, just found it a little annoying that both Brad brought him back in in that first – after what we learned last game. Brad, Brad was defiant this afternoon on that. He uh, yeah. he said, I'm going to leave guys in the game with fouls. Like, and, he, and he, he wasn't, it wasn't brought, a different approach. And he brought him back in the – he brought him back in that – he kept his rotation. He sat with two fouls, and he, right? And he brought him back late right. in the first quarter. Yeah. As he'd been doing um, throughout to close out the first, and he picked up that third right there. And then he wastes a challenge on that third one right there. Um, so that wasn't an awesome both decision and sequence. And sure, yeah, I mean, Brad's going to do what he's going to do. But after last game, again, it's, you know, okay, I guess that's what he's going to do. You guys agree or disagree with the whole playing through fouls thing? I mean, I like the situation. Yeah. I don't like the pattern. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. One thing I'll say out of this one, though, is that the rotations moved a little more smoothly without Kemba and managing that minutes limit in this one. Like, that's obviously not something that's going to be a problem come playoff time. But I, I definitely think it gave guys more of a stretch of playing together, especially when they got into that Langford, Hayward, Smart second unit. They got about probably 10 minutes together and then they started rotating in the bench like he was giving guys stretches to really be able to work off each other in this one uh whereas with the Kemba situation in out in out I think that helped them a lot here but I also um look at the three-point shooting too and this is something that's starting to become a little bit of a trend here like 
two wins. They shoot over 50% from three both games. Uh, two losses, you're 30% or below from three both times. And that's sort of the trend that this team followed throughout the year. They were the best spot-up shooting team in the East. They kind of rode that to much of their success. So are they a great enough shooting team to ride that through the playoffs? It's going to be interesting to watch. But that's the problem is you're, you live by it, you die by it. On those days where you're just cold, on those poor shooting Yeah, days, but see – if you're relying on that, that's a killer. I mean, again, right. the Nets, you know, the, the points in the paint, at least in the first half, I and mean, Nets, Nets had them doubled up, but the Celtics shot a ton of free throws. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I obviously were making their threes at a near 50% clip in the first half. They finished over 50% for the game, 20 of 39. They got to the line again, 35 times, which is pretty impressive. And again, I'm not sure if that's a result of being more aggressive uh, and taking it to the rim or just the refs still being crazy whistle happy right now. I, I thought they were a little more aggressive though. I saw a difference in that. In that aspect, sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tice, you know, and, and also uh, one thing to be said about the Celtics in, in the three point, I mean, like those days of seeing the Celtics just, you know, remember it seemed like almost every other week they were breaking like the, the three point shooting record, you know, these Brad Stevens teams of the past, the last couple of years. And I feel like when, when the Celtics are really, you know, getting it going from deep and, you know, they got 18, 19 threes to finish the game or whatever the case may be, it's usually because, you know, smart decided to drain eight out of nowhere or, you know, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum went up, you know, it's, it's not usually, you know, three or four consistent guys as opposed to other teams that can, you know, the, the bucks or, you know, they had these, these shooters, quote-unquote shooters that are in there to to specifically drain three so it's it's tough to rely on that uh statistical category for the celtics to, to come in but i do there is something to be said about the consistency the consistency though the, the percentage the fact that they're able to drain you know at, at a high mark for sure but i just wish they were able to do this you know at, on, a, on a higher level and sense of, of putting it together 17 18 threes a night like those days that that those other teams were really tough to beat yeah I mean, Brad said it before the game. You know, it's so easy for us to watch the game and to harp on things that aren't working offensively. It's easy to see when shots aren't falling or when they're not in a good flow or not in a good rhythm. But still, in terms of efficiency through three games, they were still operating at a fairly high level. Um, it was just defensively, they, you know, they weren't fully there yet. And that could be, you know, still getting used to the bubble, not having that extra level of the fan intensity to push you over the top. It's still feeling a little bit more like it's still feeling more like an exhibition than it is a real game. And that stuff can kind of come tonight was definitely better on the defensive side, but you're right there. Uh, offensively, when they play like this, you're not super worried about them when it, when, when, when the three ball goes down the way, the way it did. Right. That helps, too, because there was a stretch in the second quarter where Hayward was grabbing a lot of boards off those stops and getting guys on the move for three. I, I think Tatum got one of his corner threes off that type of play. Uh, it was like a Kevin Love-style outlet pass that Hayward threw about three possessions in a row. So when you're piling up the stops, too, that's going to help your shooting as well with the transition three. Yeah, Hayward had an interesting box score before we wrap it up. Um, you know, he, he, he didn't have a good shooting night again. Um, for 5 of 15, he did get to the line eight times. He finished a plus 30, though. Um, so, again, kind of a, you know, a, a sneaky good game for him. Uh, played 32 minutes. Uh, so he was in there uh, when it mattered, in there with both units um, and, 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 uh, and you know, playing fairly well. Um, any other thoughts here before we wrap it up and we move on to Friday? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about Hayward. I mean, I, I love the consistency we've been seeing from Hayward 
But um, tonight was kind of funny because the first half, it seemed like the Nets were just like, go ahead, you can shoot threes. It's fine. We're not worried about it. And he made them pay. So that was cool to see him, you know, establish the outside touch and, you know, continue that that flow. I'm loving his rhythm, you know. And he just continues to do this night after night. Yep. Yeah, we haven't heard much about the foot that was hurting him either, which is good so far. He plays 30 minutes in this one, no fouls. So looking at that trend, like he, he could be a guy who's there with the bench, with the starting unit, throughout you know, maybe upwards of 40 minutes come playoff time, the way he's holding up. Uh, you know, they won't want to use him that hole, but that's the direction we're going in. And he's a guy who, as we saw in this one, can coalesce between the starters and the bench, make things happen with both. Uh, I feel like through four games, he's given them the most consistent. I mean, Brown's right there with him, but he's had four uh, rock-solid games. Like, it's hard to complain about anything he's doing right now. Yep. Uh, let's move on quickly. Friday, Toronto. This coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, been an important game, but it doesn't seem to be anymore with the Celtics four and a half back, five in the loss column. Toronto won again tonight. So you're not catching them. But again, um, as a measuring stick thing, as yeah. a team that you're very likely to see in round two, if you get that far, um, you definitely want to see how this one matches up. And again, you'll have a full roster, a fairly rested one. Kemba's going to get back. You're going to see his minutes hopefully go up. So this is a good one, I think, for us to see kind of where they're at here with these guys. Oh, no question. This is a measuring stick game for sure. And they're playing the hottest team in the Eastern Conference. So this is the great, great opportunity for the Celtics to see where they're at and to also see another well, another team with, with plenty of size. You know, where does Shemi Ojale fit here? You know, we talked about how Brad could, could use him against, you know, uh, bigger teams like the like the Raptors or the, in the Bucks, of course. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm expecting Brad to approach this like it's a playoff game, especially when he's letting, you know, Kemba play close to 30 minutes. And yep. uh, the way the, the young guys have looked, you know, after the, the Nets game, everyone's fired up for this. You know, this is this yeah. is certainly by design. And, Bobby, I'll get your thoughts here. But it is important to note, again, they've played Toronto three times this year, uh, all early, 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 you know. So And they're 2-1, they're, they're and one, but the last game was, like, December. December. Uh, yeah, they played three, late, they played three late, games in, like, the first – Five weeks, I think. Two wins and then a late December post-Christmas loss. So kind of a bad one. Uh, where Raptors were, really, were banged up back then, too. A lot yeah. of the starters missing. They were uh, really – the Celtics were really outplayed, uh, certainly, in that last one. But much like Miami, the, which who you hadn't seen for, for a while uh, since January, and, and they were a totally new team, Toronto's a team that you haven't really seen much at all. I mean, again, they – schedule i mean month wise time wise i mean it's august you haven't seen them in in like you know since december it's a really long time so this will be interesting uh you know trying to get familiar with them again yeah and these teams match up so well uh, all those wings on both sides like smart's going to be going at van fleet chasing him around siakam and tatum like that's a dream matchup and uh, this this seemed inevitable like I, i'm finally waiting to see this series for so many years we we're like one of the celtics and 76 is going to play again we've seen that now these teams have avoided each other for several years and i'm just dying to see them go at it in round two at this point uh I, and, you know, we talked about this, John, too. It's a good opportunity for them to try that best five lineup. Like, that's a team that goes small. You know, Marcus Saul is a big center, but he's not someone who's going to back you down a ton. He's facing up more. So you can try that lineup. They had some success in those December matchups. And, you know, it's a measuring stick for the wings more than anything. Those Miami wings push them, but these Toronto wings are on another level. Yeah, and you, you, that's that's definitely what you want to see there. Um, Josue, final thoughts here. We're going to wrap it up, and you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you guys again Friday. Anything from you? 
Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Pretty much what, what Bobby had to say. Uh, yeah, I will. I want to see that matchup for sure. That that best five lineup with Marcus Smart, you know, down there. And, and also, let's see what Robert Williams has. You know, fourteen minutes or so, Brad. Maybe we could see something around that window. Uh, just give him some some uh, some reps in there, especially if Tice gets into foul trouble, and uh, look for Tice to see if he can carry on the momentum from uh, from what we saw tonight. If yeah. we're getting Rob Williams, we got to see Syracuse's O'Shea Brissett on the Toronto side. That's what I'll be looking for. And, and Bobby, I zoned a bit. Did you talk about your article on this? Yes. Yeah, I wrote about um. Yeah, wrote about it on the blog. Celtics blog. Yeah, so yeah. check that out. That's they, we're going to see it on Friday. I'm almost certain they they yeah. played it a ton against Toronto the first yeah. time. Yeah, we talked about it. How it didn't really work in the short spell that they played it against Miami. But you're right. This is the type of game where you would expect it to work. I mean, you would expect it, you know, expect them to use it. So Bobby wrote about it on Celtics blog. You can catch it there. Joe Sway, big stacks, writing for heavy.com. You can catch his, <laughs> stuff. You can catch his stuff there. Nice uh, Appreciate you. Yeah, as well as on CLNS Media. Uh, and these guys will be here all the time. So will I uh, with another whole, you know, bunch of cast of characters following every game uh, the rest of the way here. So uh, for Joe Sway, for Bobby, we will see you guys.